I know that's the thing. Like you think you've arrived, right? Because you get this big accolade, but and it is—they are important. You know, they're significant. But really, there's no arriving. Right. There's just the hustle. There's the continual hustle, no matter what you've written in the past. Welcome back to the Act One Podcast. I'm your host, James Duke. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe as well as leave us a good review. Our guest today is my good friend, novelist, Carrie Arcos. Carrie is the author of five books, including her debut novel, Out of Reach, which was a finalist for the 2013 National Book Award. Her latest novel, Sky Watchers, is a thrilling genre-bending mystery about the history of the Cold War and the UFO phenomenon. The book was recently optioned by a major production company to develop it into a feature film. If you're looking for a good book to read or to buy as a gift for the reader in your life, then be sure to check out any of Carrie's novels. You can read more about Carrie and her novels at her website, carriearcos.com. Enjoy our conversation. Carrie, thanks for joining me today. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to finally get to talk to you. I'm excited to uh, talk to you today. Yay, me too. Thank you, Jimmy, for asking me to do this. Yeah, you are a fantastic writer. I want the world to know who you are. I want them to buy your books. So um, all, all 11 people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> will... <laughs> yes, that is awesome. And that's um, why I'm here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, but seriously, I am very excited to let people who haven't already found your books yet and don't know about you to find out. So let's start. Uh, let's start where we are, where you are now, which is your latest book. So your latest book, Sky Watchers, um, mm-hmm. very fun book. Now, for a lot of people who don't know, Carrie writes uh, what in the category of YA. Right? Is that the category that uh, your publisher? Um, it's considered young adult, right? Yeah, young adult, and um, that's an umbrella for uh, usually, you know, a teen protagonist. But underneath YA is all every single genre um, you could imagine. But yeah, I write under the I write books for teens. I mean, it's they're for everyone. But when I'm writing them, I'm thinking of probably my inner teen self. <laughs> inner, yeah, little 17 year old Carrie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Skywatchers just came out in August of this year. Congratulations. Congratulations on uh, working so incredibly hard on a novel and releasing it in the middle of a pandemic. So congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the plan from the beginning. <laughs> Wait till there's a pandemic and then release Wait. this book. Yeah, um, it's not a process I would recommend, but you know, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. <laughs> that's been that. That's had to have been a challenge. This is your fifth book, fourth book. Fifth book, yeah. Fifth book. So, uh, wow, that's so exciting! Congratulations on that. And, but that had to have been a challenge, right? The, to have released the other four books very differently, obviously. So you haven't been able to do the traditional um, bookstore sign, you know, book signings, things like that. How have you, 
how have you gone about um, promoting the book and selling the book? What's, what's, what's that been like releasing the book? Well, I don't know if I'm doing it very well, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, it's so hard. I think, I think I really try to focus on what I can control, which for me as the writer is trying to write the best book that I can possibly do at that moment. Right. And focus there. And then um, when it comes to marketing and releasing it and all of that, um, of course I, you know, have social media and I did for this one, I did an Instagram live launch, which was fun. And you know, some interviews and blogs and things of that nature. But yeah, it was, it was, it was very difficult. And I know I'm not the only one in this, in this boat, you know, with everything being online and so much out there, it's always like, how do you, how do you get your stuff to rise above all the noise, you know, and it, it can be difficult, but I'm focusing on the positive. I have a book out in a pandemic. That's amazing. And it's my first sci-fi book. I was always wanted to write science fiction. And um, so this is my first venture into that. So it's yay. certainly a good time. It's certainly a good time. I don't, I don't know if it's a good time to release a book, but it's certainly a good time to read a book. <laughs> yes. Reading is, uh, yeah. I mean, book sales are, are going strong. Um, and so, you know, people are definitely reading. So yeah, it, it's not, it hasn't been, so I guess that's a good point. It hasn't been a terrible time to release a book. It's just, it, it's just so different under normal circumstances. So it's kind of, you're kind of going, I don't know if this is working, but I'm going to try this. And so there's a little more risk, but, but it's um, challenging and it's, it's exciting. And I'm just super grateful to have Skywatchers finally out there. No, what, what is the usual what is the typical process of releasing a book for you? So, you know, this, this, you know, pandemic excluded, you're, you're with a, you're with a pretty big publisher. You're with Penguin Random House, right? That's, yeah. I don't know if you can get bigger than that. Can you? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, what, I mean, what, but I also know that, that the economics of the book industry is kind of crazy and it's not, what everybody realizes, like you have the top, 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 top tier writers, right? And then you have everybody else or something right. like that. <laughs> you know, like you're, it's either Stephen King and the, the rest of you or something. But uh, talk a little bit about what is it like? What's the process of, of uh, writing and, and releasing a book these days? What, what um, you, you go through a, a, a book tour or what is that, what is that like? Um, honestly, there's not really a lot of money to be made off of book tours with publishers, unless you're like a really big writer with a huge following already uh, that, that are going to be showing up, you know, to book events. They still do book tours, but I think the days of, you know, sending all these authors around the world and putting them up in the hotel and uh, it's not as, it, it definitely still happens, but it's not as like common, you know? Um, Unless they pay, so so if a so if a publishing company pays a lot of money for your book, like you know, you'll hear about these, especially certain debuts that are, you know, getting six-figure deals and all of that. You better believe that the publishing company is going to be marketing that book. They're going to be taking out advertisements. They're going to be sending you on book tours, all of that. But 
if you're more um, maybe like me, <laughs> um, where I'm, I'm probably what we call the mid-list author. And uh, so I don't get all the fancy book tours. Uh, I definitely, you know, go to bookstores. I've gone and done school visits. Uh, you know, people have interviewed me for their websites. I've been interviewed by, um, you know, uh, Publishers Marketplace and all different, you know, um, Kirkus has interviewed me. But it, you know, unless your publishing company is going to put all this money behind the marketing of your book, there's really only so much I have found that you can do. There's been some books where I have been like social media crazy and like really contacting people. And like, I had a team, right. Where we, <laughs> where we've um, had all this campaign going on. And then I've had a book where I've done hardly anything and the results have kind of been the same as far as sales so wow that's interesting yeah um, so i'm not sure uh and i i don't know I, i'm not sure what the magic formula is but i do know oprah the magic May, formula oh is my oprah. gosh yes <laughs> that is what i need i need oprah to get back on my books or reese witherspoon she has a great book club that that she just cranks them out but anyway. it is a, it's so it, <clears throat> excuse me it is a interesting thing though right because you 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 work so you work so long and hard on this labor of love creating something and you know like you know we you know at act one we typically are talking to filmmakers and and, and so they're trying to have their film watched by as many people as possible you know and um with you it's different, right? The book, the author experience is different because you're not going to sit in a theater and watch people experience what you created together. Um, you're going to, if, if you hear from anyone at all, you're going to hear from them after the fact, right? They, they have read your book and they're going to come up to you or they're going to send you an email or, or maybe come send you something on social media. And um, what, I, I guess what the question I'm trying to get into is, what's the satisfaction for you in writing? It's got to be in the writing itself, right? Because you're not going to be able to get much satisfaction in knowing how people are responding to your work. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I think it's both. Um, I think the act, yeah, the creative act of writing, uh, I definitely feel like the need to do it, uh, not, not necessarily compulsive, like, and because I'm not super prolific, like, like you had brought up Stephen King before, you know, he's like an animal. Yeah, <laughs> he's, amazing. In, he's, he's, he's on a whole nother plane of existence. <laughs> he's the rest he's of a whole other level. Uh, but you know, yeah, as an, as an artist, as someone, I think that's how I'm kind of engaging and making sense of of the world and my experience and so much of my life is has been navigating story ever since i was little i've always been drawn to story and uh whether that be books film you know any kind of medium and so i just think naturally there is that within me that uh that enjoys that process and I also, but I also enjoy the other side. Like I enjoy hearing what people think about it. And uh, 
if I can get people to have an emotional response, that's always the best. Like last night I was in my book club, decided to read my book. And that's always kind of interesting because I just kind of have to be quiet as they discuss it. <laughs> and then they, they ask me questions. And, but it was so cool because I made three of them cry, you know, the book. And it was at a part where I didn't think it would. And wow, so interesting. I was like, that's the best compliment ever that, you know, they felt so engaged with the characters and the story that it elicited that response. And so I love that. And I, you know, I don't mind the bad reviews either because, and I'll, I'll read them. Like sometimes I know they say, don't ever read Goodreads reviews and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I'll read them. And sometimes I'll laugh, but sometimes I'll go, huh, that is a good point. That, that could have been, I could have gone a different direction there or whatever, you know? Well, uh, two, I mean, like we said earlier, you're the category that you're in YA, you know, is there, is there a more brutal audience than teenagers? <laughs> well, it's a funny thing is a lot of adults are reading YA. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. My wife it, does. Yeah. 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 A lot of the negative, you know, these, it, it comes from adults, but yeah, no teenagers. That's what I love about them. They'll just tell you how they, how they think. So it is fun to, for me to go and do author visits with, with high schools and um, here. I mean, that I've had some tough questions. I remember where I was like, Ooh, ouch. Okay. <laughs> We're what's going the, there. What's the, what's the, what's the toughest. Can you think of like the toughest question you've had uh, from a, from a, from a high school student that just really, you were really impressed with and stumped by uh, impressed with, well, the one I was thinking about was not impressed with, but I just, he kind of went to a critical spot in his question right away. <laughs> and he just, he just asked, you know, why I made a certain character so two dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in front of, I was on an auditorium, like a stage and I was like, whoo, okay. And like, I just kind of teased him a little like for being you know that was a that was a really pointed like your first question out of the yes, game yes, but, you know yes, yes. I, I mean you're professional I had to like answer it and you yes. know that's like <laughs> yeah that'd be like uh starting starting your question to Stephen King with uh look I, I know you're terrible at endings but uh let's talk about right. the ending <laughs> right. um the okay so Carrie, I find this whole world that you're in fascinating because I can never be in it. <laughs> but, but, but it is, it's one of those things that I look at the, I, I look at the life of an author and this kind of deep well that you draw from to create these fascinating, these fascinating journeys and these fascinating character studies. And let's just jump right into Sky Watchers, which, you know, so it just came out a couple months ago. And um, talk, to, you know, tell everyone a little bit about this book. And, and well, first of all, what's the book about? Okay, so it is set in 1952. And it follows a group of teenagers who are part of this program called Operation Skywatch that Harry S. Truman, our president at the time, uh, 
instilled. It was actually continuing another program, but they changed the name to Skywatcher. And at this time, the, the country didn't have any radar and they were very concerned about planes coming, you know, from Russia or even China and the atomic bomb happening. And so regular citizens would man these towers or they would go up on their roofs and they would call in, they would look for planes and they would call them into these flight centers. And so Skywatchers is about a group of teens that are doing that one night. They're watching the skies and they see a UFO that looks like it lands behind them in the forest and they go looking and after that they're missing for days and that's all i'll say what happened well, bum, bum, bum. Bum, that's, bum, where bum. that's where i'll play the uh very very cool and you yeah where so where did this idea originate from i know you get asked that probably uh in every single you know interview about this book so i apologize for such unoriginal question but i am curious especially considering that you had said, and I want to talk a little bit about sci-fi with you because you, you, this, this is in comparison to your other books, this is the first uh, sci-fi book that you've, uh, science fiction book, science fiction novel that you've, you, you've written. Um, but where did, the, where did this idea kind of spring from for you? So there, I've always loved UFO stories. Uh, and I mean, I'm definitely a child of the 80s. Spielberg, right? His imprint is on my life for better or for worse. But uh, I was reading this uh, book called The Close Encounters Man. And it's about the guy who coined the phrase close encounters of the first, second, and third kind. And there's a fourth kind. Uh, but so it was kind of about his life and, and like he was with Project Grudge, Project Blue, Project Sign before that. So he was with the government for many, many years was great scientist and there was a chapter in there where it brought up this idea of operation skywatch and how like just regular civilians and housewives to school-aged children would just be watching the skies and of course during that time there was a huge uptick in ufo sightings because i think you know after world war ii people were people realized oh no your lives could change in an instant. You could, you could be totally destroyed by something coming down from the sky, right? We had the atomic bomb, we had nuclear, all of that. So anyway, I just kept thinking of that word Skywatcher and I thought, oh, that'd be such a cool book, right? To have it be teenagers and, and then my mind just went there. So that's, that's where the, um, I think I do have that in the acknowledgements part of the book, but I wanted to but yeah, that, that book is really great, Close Encounters. If, he, if any of your listeners are interested in the history of UFOs and our government and all of that, Close Encounters, man, is a really great read. So that's where I got my initial idea. And, and so once you get the initial idea, is the initial idea, I want to kind of try to break this down because we have a lot of storytellers who listen to this. Once you, what was the idea? What was the initial idea? Uh, kids finding a UFO, um, a UFO, and then you added kids. How did you develop this story? Because I, it, um, and then that'll kind of lead me into the process of your writing, you know, kind of your writing process a little bit. So uh, the kernel of the idea was what, and then how did you begin to expand it? So the kernel, that's a great question. I think the kernel was the word Skywatcher itself. <laughs> and oh, then- 
And then from like, what does that even mean? I remember looking it up and, and realizing, oh, people who watch the skies are actually called sky watchers. Like there's a whole community of people. And, uh, and, th and this was especially a big deal, you know, prior to all the technology that we have now. They would literally just watch physically with their eyes, watch the skies. Yeah, but even now groups that, you know, have those huge telescopes in their backyard and they have conventions, like yeah. it's, it's a term um, that I just didn't know. But so yeah, that word, but then from there, I knew a group of teenagers and I wanted, so the kernel of the idea was that, yeah, they see a UFO. I went right to UFO. And then I, then I was kind of like, well, where would I have this happen? So for me as a writer, place is huge super significant. This setting for me is almost like, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, another character. So I spent a lot of time thinking about where would this take place? Because I felt like that would inform everything else, like the type of people that are there. Um, the topography was super important because if I was going to have a UFO, I wanted it to be on the coast and by a forest. So I had to <laughs> So I literally, very that's very specific, very specific. If I knew it wasn't inland. I was researching just California along the coast and trying to think of places that I've been. And the one I kept going back to was Monterey, that whole Monterey area. Interesting. And, uh, and then kind of looking back, I, I knew I wanted it to take place, not present day. I knew I wanted it to be in the fifties. Cause obviously I wanted it to be with the Skywatcher program. So Monterey looked very different back then, you know, that there were, was more of a forest, like a lot of it's been cleared now for housing and all of that. Um, and then I looked at, you know, well, who's, who's in Monterey at that time. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because books in the fifties or movies in the fifties, anyway, they kind of show the U S as being, you know, like everyone is like white suburbia, you know, <laughs> when you watch these old movies, it's like, wait a minute. It wasn't just white people living during that time, <laughs> during the fifties. So, you know, when I was looking into Monterey, I realized there was like a, a whole like Japanese community that was part of Monterey, um, oh, significant cool. part. And, you know, it's also a large Latino community, you know, that, that lives there. And so I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So it, it started to inform you know, an Italian, you know, there's a lot of Italians are Sicilians. So that all started to form, inform who my characters would, were going to be. And then uh, once you felt like you had your characters, do you, is that where you, is that when you really feel like you have your book? Yeah, no, I'm definitely focused on character and it's probably because so much of my background, well, I've been a teacher for many, many years. Um, college and high school and um, is literary fiction. You know, I've studied a lot of literary and, and it, as people would say, maybe there's no plot in literary fiction. <laughs> I disagree, but uh, that, that has probably heavily influenced me. And then also, I mean, I do, I, I just love when I get into a story, it's not, I mean, sure. I want it to ha be interesting, the plot, the action, the, the conflict that's happening but all of that to me stems from character. If I don't care about these characters, who cares, you know? So, um, so yeah, so my challenge was for Skywatchers because the genre is different for me. 
can, could I write a novel where I'm still, you know, strong on character, but also can I get the plot, <laughs> which a plot, the pacing of it has to move faster uh, in, in this genre. It's just different. It's not um, contemporary realistic, which is what I normally write. So that was my biggest challenge to myself to see, hey, I want to, I want to see if I can, I, I can do it. So. Yeah. Your, your previous book, which came out in what, 2019, 2018, um, we, we are all that's left. Yeah. Yep. I could make the argument that that's probably your most plot heavy book. And yet it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just yes, there's of- plot. There is action going on, but no, yeah, that's that's like yes, that's a historical fiction set present day and then during the Bosnian War of the nineties. Um, so, two characters, two 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 storylines that merge, um, but yeah, vignettes. Like I think also when when the character from the Bosnian War, I think it could be argued. There's definitely plot happening, but it's more um, in these like past these sequences of events, you know. Yeah, they're they're you you use the you use those vignettes, those plots to really help us get a um, just a deeper insight into those characters, into the daughter and the mother, and the mother in particular. And um, uh, we'll get to that book in just a second. Uh, <laughs> Well, and Skywatchers is totally different, like the format, because I think I have about six characters, you know, that kind of, that alternate, and they're all telling the same story, but each chapter you're getting kind of a different, more nuanced look at it, because we're looking at it, but there's no going backwards, everything's moving forwards. Yeah. That was fun as a writer. Yeah, that was something that was different that I noticed with this book as with your other films. And, and that's, that was kind of leading to my next question, which is this idea of writing voice, finding a voice. You, you do do something very interesting in Skywatchers is you have six characters and you're telling the same story from the perspective of six different characters. And so you're really having to capture the voice. And I think my wife said it best. She said she felt like um, because we've been friends with you for so long, she knows your voice so well. And she said that this book, your voice completely disappeared to her. Like she, she found herself immersed in six new characters, six new friends, six new people to follow, which I thought, Oh, that's kind of interesting the way she said that. Um, yeah. And that was like the biggest compliment because I really tried hard <laughs> to <laughs> make these sound like different people. And it is, I will say, because it's in the third person, there's a little, it's a little easier, I don't know if easier is the word, but a little bit of, um, it's not so intimate as the first person voice, so maybe it's easier to do that. Again, I don't know if I'm saying the right word, but uh, I did consciously choose third person so I could try to create distinct voices too. You, you, mean, for the, you mean for you as the writer or for us as the, as the audience, as the reader? Me as the writer. So when I was writing, like I didn't write, it's not six different voices where I'm trying, it's not like first person the whole way through, it's third person, but. Right, but it is six different um, perspectives, right? Yeah, right. And so what was that like? Because that obviously you had to challenge yourself as, 
you clearly you clearly set out to challenge yourself as a writer, right? Like you 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 said, yeah. okay, I'm going to challenge, and you took that challenge on. What was that like, having to dive into this story and tell this story through the perspective of six different characters? I loved it. It was so great because I love the I love the research aspect of writing. In fact, sometimes I'll spend too much time and I'm thinking I'm writing, but I'm just researching something over and over. So the challenge was, you know, I kept a notebook and a journal on each character and, and to make sure each character had an arc and how do they fit together and where's the conflict with each character, um, the nuance of the conflicts and all of that. So I, I loved it. I felt like, okay, I felt like I was ready for the challenge. I don't know if I couldn't writ if I could have written this as my first book. I feel like I had to write four books. Well, actually others that I haven't, but that never, will never be published. So, <laughs> but four published books to get to this book, to get the writing chops, I think, to get to this book. And why is that? What, what, what for you as a writer makes that, makes that so challenging that you feel like I, I needed, I needed more time. I need more experience. Um, I think some of it is confidence and uh, understanding the process that I have now five books in. I understand my process a little more than that first book, you know, and uh, I think the willingness to tell stories that go beyond even your own experience if that makes sense. You know, I think that my first four stories are really grounded in, though they're fiction, they're definitely things that I've experienced or gone through or, or um, was dealing with in some way. And this story, Skywatchers, is a complete departure from that. You know, I'm not from the 50s. I, <laughs> I have not been part of a Skywatcher club. I really had never seen a UFO. I have looked, but <laughs> I have unfortunately not. <laughs> and so, you know, and then to also step into other people's shoes that are so different from you, uh, which is, you know, takes a lot of empathy, I think, to do, to do that. So I loved, I, I loved it. I, I, I love that word empathy. I, I think you're, you're dead on with that. It, the, the book is a, fun it's a fun read it's a fast read there is a uh some fun little twists along the way which is kind of interesting you know so um people who tried maybe tried yeah <laughs> i think people who are going in thinking they know exactly what they're getting uh might be pleasantly surprised that uh there's they're not exactly getting um that story but but definitely if you're fans of stranger things or those kind of I think I think it'll, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great read. Uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, probably of your five books, your previous one, I think probably is the most impacting. It's fan, It's a it's a really interesting, surprising take on a part of real history that. Um, I think so. I think that it surprises readers the way you approach this real moment in history, a very, you know, tragic part of history, 
and also because it's not a well-told story in the Western world, right? So, so Westerners don't know this history uh, very well. And so I'm talking about your, your, um, your book, uh, We Are All That's Left, if people want to pick it up. And tell them a little bit about uh, the background of We Are All That's Left. What's the book about and, and uh, what was the impetus for, for that book? Yeah, so We Are All That's Left tells the story of um, a mother and daughter story of two, they survive a uh, terrorist bombing attack at present day in Rhode Island, fictional. Um, and then um, it kind of splits from there and talks about the mother's experience as a, as a uh, during the Bosnian War in Sarajevo in the, in the 90s. And when I was in college is when the, when the Bosnian war was happening. And honestly, I don't remember much except, you know, them talking about some conflict and I was just out of it or checked out like, you know, a 20 year old might be sometimes, right? I was in my own, well, no, I won't, nothing bad against being 20, but I was definitely focused on what I was doing and, right. and didn't understand the global politics. And it was so confusing. And, but then I joined, um, I helped resettle refugees and immigrants from all over the world after college in the Boston area. And I started meeting Bosnians and uh, I was just like, what, wait, what, what happened? What was happening? And I just couldn't believe the atrocities I was hearing about and what, what they had gone through and genocide. And, and I became good friends with a few of them. And I have, that experience has always stayed with me. And I'm such an advocate for refugees today in part from that. Um, but I always wanted to maybe try to write about it, but I never, I'm not Bosnian. So I was kind of like, well, should I even write about it? And um, how could I even do that? Like I've never been to Bosnia and, and all of this, but it just kept with me. And uh, I got this idea where I thought, okay, I could do it that way. I could approach it from that angle. And I actually went to Bosnia, went to Sarajevo, and went to the home, the village where my character's from, and I and I toured around it and um, talked to people. And our the woman um, who owned our Airbnb, she was amazing. We she asked me what I was doing there, and I ended up telling her. And I was telling her about the story, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, you're writing my grandmother's story." And I was like, "What?" And <laughs> she because she had been in the war when she was a kid, this, this girl, this woman. Anyway, so she agreed to have, let me interview her and she was such an amazing help. And even when I came back to the States, like she read drafts of it and helped me with my Bosnian and, and the, those Bosnian scenes. Um, just the details that I didn't know, like I knew that they had basements and they survived in basements, but I was picturing, like I grew up on the East Coast in New York and upstate and I was picturing like the basement I had growing up, which you get into it through the house. But she was like, no, no, there's no basements through the house. You have to get in it through outside. Like storm shelters, like Midwest yeah. storm shelters. Yeah. So, so even just that little detail was so helpful. Um, but anyway, I think, I, I think she gave me the confidence 
to publish it because she read it and she she just was in tears and she said i remember she said i don't i don't understand how you can know um how you can know so well what we went through and what it was like and so i think that's the empathy thing right i think as a writer because like that's the best compliment and anyone who's bosnian who's read it like i'll they've sent me like emails or they'll write reviews of it it's always it's been positive i haven't there hasn't been a single negative review from a from a bosnian person and that to me is like the biggest like okay i got it right you know i tried i tried to like honor them and that experience and then also show that you know it's really not that different from because it was a she was a teenager and i tried to show like teenagers yes it was in the 90s yes it was in the in bosnia but it's really not that different from american teenagers you know the stuff that she was going through and the pain loss and all of that so it's it's definitely it's a very emotionally affecting book mm-hmm. and the the bosnian um crisis is you know kind of like what you're talking about the when you find your place how it's almost like another character it certainly does play like a character but the two main characters the mother and the daughter i mean it's really it really is a mother-daughter story and you of course you're a you're a daughter uh you have a daughter did you pull from that like what was it in writing that book you were trying to say about mothers and daughters and their relationships Yeah. I mean, I have been very lucky to have, I have a very close relationship with my mom. She's definitely like my best friend. And I, I, I think I take that for granted that how, how kind of rare that is. Uh, When I was starting to write this book, I was at like a writer's retreat for a couple of weeks and sitting around a table with a bunch of other women writers. And one night mothers came up and everyone at the table had like this horror story of them and their mom. And I remember sitting there like, wow. And, and then they got to me. And of course I'm like, my relationship's great. You know, (laughs) I was like the freak of the table, but um, yeah, they all just looked at me like they couldn't believe it. And it, that, I think that, that conversation really informed some of the direction of, of the book and their strained relationship because I don't have that with my mom to explore. So to explore that one is kind of interesting. And then actually in Skywatcher with one of the characters, Caroline and her mom, there's a bit of um, that kind of dynamic happening and of loss and healing that needs to happen in that relationship too. So yeah, I don't think it's a relationship I explore in all of my books, but definitely, um, we are all that's left. That's the, that's that primary um, healing, right? How can you have healing after so much pain and trauma? And that book also explores the idea of trauma being passed through generations. Like it affects our DNA. We know so much about trauma today, how it affects the body. So, you know, how, how does, how does, can love really heal? Your first book, Out of Reach, was a National Book Award finalist. What, 
What was yeah. it like? Here you are. That will go on my tombstone. Right. I mean, that, that was, <laughs> I mean, I remember when it happened and we were all so excited for you. It was just one of those fantastic. What was it like for you to, you, you, you become a published author for the first time. Oh, and by the way, you're a national book award finalist. What was that like? I know that was, it was very surreal. It was just, uh, I didn't believe it. And I remember when the guy that used to be the president, it's a different president now, he called me. I had just finished teaching class at Biola and he called me to tell me that I was chosen. And I was like, literally my first words were, for real? Like I wasn't even (laughs) professional, nothing. I didn't even, I just, it wasn't even on my radar that these awards even happened at this season and I could get a call. So it was a lot of fun. Um, Stephen King was there at the dinner. He's a very tall man going back to Stephen (laughs) King. (laughs) I did not know that. Uh, So it felt like, oh my gosh, I was invited into this little exclusive club somehow and they didn't, nobody told them who I really was. (laughs) I was there and it was fun. You know, I just tried to say, just enjoy it. And the advice I got from some writers that had, you know, been before me, they were like, wow, you know, Carrie, this is a very rare thing. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, because it was normal to me because it was happening to me. But, you know, since, uh, since I've been writing for a few years now, I realized, looking back, I realized how rare that was and what a gift. And, you know, there's people, their whole careers who will never get that, that are, you know, way more talented and amazing novelist than, than me. So I'm just very, very grateful for that experience. Oh, you're being so humble. You're being so humble. It's a great thing. I, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not mean to be humble, but it's true because, well, here's the other side, the flip side, I'll tell you this, is that the next year, because, you know, when you've been nominated for that, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like, Maybe I'm in now, and maybe everything I write. Every year, every, year every book is up for, yeah, that's right. And so, then and you're like, wait, how come I didn't get nominated? Yes, and then I got really down. Oh, like, no. Because I was like, I knew about the award season, and so I'm paying attention, and I'm waiting for the announcement, and then I'm not getting called, and I'm like, well, and then the next year I don't get called again. The next year I don't get called, and I was like, wait a minute. Maybe that was a one-time thing. Um, now you know how now you know how Cuba Gooding Jr. feels yes I do (laughs) oh my gosh that guy I know that's the thing like you think you've arrived right because you get this big accolade but and it is they are important you know they're significant but really there's no arriving there's just the hustle there's the continual hustle no matter what you've written in the past I love it that is, that is the truth, right? That is the truth. It's, a, it's all about the hustle. Would you say Out of Reach is your most personal book? It's about a, um, a, a complicated relation, among many things. It's about, a, at its core, it's about a complicated relationship between a, uh, a sister and a brother, between two siblings, and her, her attempts to try to save him and uh, the stuff that he's going through would you say that was your most personal novel? Yeah, for sure. Cause I, and just 
this isn't like secret or anything, but I do have a younger brother who struggled with addiction and specifically meth addiction for many years. And I remember reading um, the book, A Beautiful Boy had just come out. It was a really great book, but I found myself getting upset because uh, I believe the author had two daughters or one daughter. And I remember thinking like, gosh, you know, so much of the family runs after the attic and, you know, you just get caught up in it because you're in so much pain, you know, and all you want to do is save that your kid, you know, and, but the other family members, especially the other kids can kind of get lost in that themselves. And so I remember thinking specifically, you know, I kind of know what that feels like, even though my brother's addiction was not when we were kids. It was when we were adults, but I just know some of those feelings of being that sibling and watching your sibling, um, just make these, these choices and succumb to the a disease. And, and so I thought, so I just started thinking about that and I just started writing. I remember I wrote that whole first chapter with that idea of this girl being kind of in pain and not really knowing why at first. And then I was like, oh, it's her brother. And then it just all kind of clicked. So, so yeah, I would say it's very emotionally true, that book. The stuff that happened in there isn't my experience, but the emotional truth of that is very personal. Yeah. Mm, that's really good. Which I think, like if you look at a lot of writers, it probably their first book like that, um, well, maybe not in sci-fi, but maybe, you know, in contemporary fiction, literary fiction, a lot of times they'll, fi they'll find that it's probably pretty personal. Well, one of my friends has said, um, filmmaking is therapy. Uh, do you, <laughs> do you, uh, depends on the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, for them, the making yeah, of the film, the creating the of the of film. It, yeah. 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 For us as the audience. Yeah. <laughs> but for them, the, for the, yeah. For them, the process of making the film, of creating the film, uh, is therapy. What would you say that? Would you say something similar with your writing the uh, the novels that 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 you have written? Do they do they tend to come from a place that is uh, within the deep wells of your soul, or uh, and if so, how do you how do you process what comes out of you? Like, how do you deal? You know, you deal with it before you get it on the page. You get it on the page and then deal with it. What has that been like now, five novels in? And, and what, what do you feel like you've learned about yourself through writing these novels? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I don't even, I, I don't even think I'm doing it consciously. It's very subconsciously. Like, like when I was writing my second book, um, There Will Come a Time. It was also another kind of brother-sister book, but uh, a brother dealing with the, the death of his sister. Uh, and it was all about grief. The whole book is about grief. And I was kind of like, oh, why am I writing this book about grief, you know? And at that time, I didn't understand it, but looking back, one of our really good friends had committed suicide. And we were very much involved with him. and. Um, you know, even in his attempts, you know, phone calling us and things like that. So, and he finally, his last attempt worked. And I think that 
I was working through it. I didn't even realize I needed to, but I needed to through Mark and, and these other characters. So I think it's more of subconscious than, than intentional. And uh, I will say, I think in this, I, I go to w this one school every year. They always, they read all my books <laughs> and then they invite me to come out and have like this big, like day long seminar thing. And they're awesome. And so the kids that have read all my books, they've said to me, they're like, you know what, Ms. Arcos, you're, you have a very consistent theme throughout your books. And I was like, oh no, what? Am I just being repetitive the whole time? And I don't realize, but uh, they said love. They said, love is, love always wins in your books. And that's like a strong, like undercurrent. And which I think is so cool because I'm not necessarily even intentionally trying for that. But I think that that is very true to my own life and what I, what I believe and what I feel heals. And ultimately, I think that comes from my relationship with God. You know, these books are not Christian novels. Uh, some of them tackle issues of faith and, and some don't. But uh, the fact that love kind of informs me <laughs> and is working itself out through these characters is, is very interesting. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Do you view your writing as like a kind of spiritual practice? Yeah, I think, I think that God is a creative being, you know, and I think he instills us with his creativity. And I think part of who I am, uh, part of how I engage the word, the world, sorry, is, is through story and through, that's how I'm making meaning. And um, so I definitely think that there's a spiritual aspect to it. And, you know, people have called it the, the muse or, or whatever uh, you want to call it. But I, uh, I don't necessarily believe in muses, but I do believe that my um, relationship with God informs, you know, what I write and how, even how. And I love the book Walking on Water by Madeline Littingell. She, she, she says it a lot better. Just read that. Your listeners should read that. <laughs> All right. We'll just read Madeline. On what you it, it's profound. It's so good. Do you find yourself um, as, um, as you uh, look to create, mm -hmm. do you find yourself ever getting, um, you know, stuck in some way? And if so, how do you, and I'm not necessarily talking about writer's block. I mean, I know that's where most people go, but just creatively, maybe just in general. Um, yeah. I mean, you could speak to writer's block if you want, but, but just, do you find yourself ever getting stuck? And if so, as a professional writer, what kind of practices have you put into your, into your life to, un, to get yourself unstuck? Yeah, no, I was really stuck creatively this year actually uh at this beginning of the year and i think you know i had i take i was taking on a lot um working three kids and um uh, outside church things duties and 
um, there wasn't much breath, right, for, for me to even just think and have fun being creative. And, and, and then the pandemic hit, and then I was like frozen. It was weird. I had a really hard time with focus. And I remember my husband was saying, this should be a great time for you as a writer because you're basically isolated and you're just sitting here and you should just write for hours. And I was like, I hate you. It doesn't work that way. And then I started getting anxious about it. So that wasn't good. So it just created this. And I just kind of was like, you know what? You've been here before. You're going to be here again. You just got to write it out. And so for me, what that looks like is reading. I read a lot and I read across genres. I read all kinds of books and, uh, and that's my way out a lot. And that's where I start thinking and, and my creativity, I get excited or even like watching kind of cool movies or TV shows that start to inspire me or, um, I'll start researching things. I'll hear even in the news or whatever. I'll be like, Oh, there's a huge crater in Iceland and they don't know what, what is that? You know, and I'll start. And that's, that is really what's helpful for me to get out of. And then just like the permission, like, you know what, you don't need to be writing every day or you don't need to like, yes, you do want to start getting back into it, but like, don't freak out. This is, this is part of the process. That's really interesting. I, I wonder even com combining the two things we just talked about there. I wonder if, you know, we could actually look at it as uh, curiosity being a good spiritual practice, you know, not, not just a good practice, but even a good, good spiritual practice. The idea of being not just curious, but even spiritual, spiritually curious, like what is God doing? What is God saying to us? What, what paths can we follow to kind of better understand the world around us, the people around us, uh, what God is trying to speak to us about? Um, would you say that that is a, something that you would recommend or something that you try to practice yourself? Yes, for sure. I, um, I just, we had friends that just got engaged and, you know, we were supposed to write like a little something to them. And I was like, everyone always looks at me, you're the writer. You should be able to write something. And I never know what to say, <laughs> but what came to my mind was stay curious, you know, stay curious. Yeah. And that's what I, that was my advice to them for their yeah. marriage. <laughs> and it really does. It really does feel like we get too caught up uh, sometimes in, the rule following of for writers, you know, you just gotta, you just, you know, and I, and I really kind of like what you're saying, which is if there, if you get stuck, let other art, let other inspiration unstuck, you, you know, like, like l let it do its job, let it inspire you, absorb, absorb the things around you. And all kinds of things too. Like maybe you aren't such a sci-fi person, but try a sci-fi novel or a romance or watch, a period piece if you've never watched one you know yeah. and and yeah. if, you're a be if you're a beach person maybe try going to the mountains for a couple yes. Of days yeah. yes that's true oh environment that's another thing yeah i know it's been hard now because the pandemic um and our rules are constantly changing <laughs> but yes being outdoors is another big thing and just like having space to just sit 
and not being worried about the words on the page. And I think that that is hard, especially, you know, if you're a working writer and you're just like, I got to get these, I got to get the pages, you know, there'll be time, you know, you do have to sit down, you do have to get to it, but just giving yourself the freedom, you know, to, to get inspired. And yeah, the curiosity, I think for all of my books, I would say, uh, I am, I am asking a question or trying to answer a question or in, I'm trying to discover something, right? I don't ever, I'm not, I don't ever approach it from, oh, here's what I need to say necessarily, or here's, here's the answer I need to tell everyone in this book. So. Yeah. you every one of your books. Um, that's interesting. I, I never looked at it from that framework, but you're right from that framework. Uh, all five of your novels are asking, are asking a question uh, and setting them off on a very specific journey to, to, to try to solve that problem or answer that question. That's really, that's really good. So you are a mom, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a teacher. What has it been like um, being a published author while also being all these other things? Do you have any advice uh, for, you know, someone who's listening to this and going, Hey, I have a full-time job. I've got kids. I, how do, how do I, how do I do this? I don't, I don't think it's possible. Well, it'll never be easy. There will never be a time where it's perfect. Uh, you will never have more time. So you have to be intentional and look at the time that you have and craft and, and instead of being reactionary, decide, all right, this is, this is my life. This is, this is what I want, or this is what I don't want. And for me, when I was starting out, it looked like going to the coffee shop at 6.30 in the morning so that I could get an hour or two in. And then I would come home and take care of the kids. And, and honestly, for me, I don't need to be writing all day, right? I, and I don't know any writer that really writes like for eight hours, <laughs> like literally typing eight hours. But if you can get a concentrated one hour and I always say set small goals. Like for me as a writer, when I sit down, it's a thousand words. That's just kind of my process. I need to get to a thousand words, even if they're crappy words. If I get to a thousand, I feel good. I feel accomplished. I feel like I'm moving forward. Even if I edit them out later, um, just those thousand words. And sometimes that can take two hours. Sometimes that can take 30 minutes, but I count it as okay job done. And then sometimes I'm writing more than that, but I'm just saying in general, that's kind of my, my philosophy. Uh, get people in your corner. My husband was a really big advocate for me and a really big help. And so were other friends. I think I told maybe one or two while I was writing. I didn't like shout to the rooftops. I also didn't want the pressure <laughs> of people asking me all the time, how's that writing going? And you know, when you're dying inside because you think it just sucks and <laughs> you suck and you'll never write again. But um, yeah, and, and honestly, it's up to you because like I was talking to someone the other day, a young artist, and it's like, nobody's begging me, Carrie, please write, please write another book, please, you know, nobody. So it's, it's got to come from me and how much I really want it. And you got to fight for it. So I know some people that love to write in the middle of the night. Like I could, 
I could never do that. I'm too exhausted by then. But if that's you, then maybe it's from 10 to 12 you're writing, you know, and just that consistency. Uh, you will be surprised at how your brain even switches on and it's like, oh, this is my creative time. And um, consistency, discipline, the words nobody ever wants to hear, but they're true. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, this has been fantastic. I'm so grateful to you. Uh, I'm so grateful for you to give me some time to give us some time to, to talk today and um, these are for, I want to make sure people get a chance to find your books. So, um, your books are out of reach. There will come a time, crazy, messy, beautiful. We are all that's left. And your most recent book, Sky Watchers, uh, came out in August of this year and they can pick up these books anywhere where great books are sold, right? Amazon and all good yeah. places. Amazon, or they can support their local bookstore, um, and anywhere online and, uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Jimmy. It's been, yeah. it's been fun. It's been an honor to talk to you. CarrieArcos.com, right? Yeah. And, and they can follow you on social media and all that good stuff. Thank you, Carrie. I try to close every podcast by praying for my guests. Would you let me pray for you? Yeah, that'd be okay. great. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this fantastic time today with uh, my friend Carrie. Uh, God, we're just so grateful for her and who she is and uh, her amazing giftings and talents that you've bestowed upon her. So grateful um, just for these uh, fantastic novels that uh, you have gifted her with. Thank you for her, her empathy uh, in creating um, characters that, that, that care, that, that we care about. And God, I just pray you would continue to bless Carrie, bless her, <clears throat> bless her marriage, bless her relationship with her husband and with her kids and, um, with everyone around her. God, I pray that you would give her more great stories to tell. You would fill her with um, just more interesting characters uh, to whose lives we can explore. And we just thank you for uh, Carrie and who she is. We pray this in Jesus' name and your promises be stamped. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Act One Podcast. Celebrating over 20 years as the premier training program for Christians in Hollywood. Act One is a Christian community of entertainment industry professionals who train and equip storytellers to create works of truth, goodness, and beauty. To financially support the mission of Act One or to learn more about our programs, visit us online at actoneprogram.com. Thank you.